Hello, and welcome to the Assistant Files Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Gilbert, the creator of theassistantfiles.com, where I share weekly tips and advice based on my own experience of over 10 years as a real estate executive assistant. On today's episode, you'll hear my conversation with Corina DeBlanc, a fairly new executive assistant with the Lux Group from Phoenix, Arizona. I specifically want you to pay attention to how Karina thinks. Her attitude about learning will ensure she has a long and rewarding career as an executive assistant. And now, on to the interview. How did you come to work for Lux Home Group? Um, So I have been in the lending um, business for about 13 years before I joined um, the Lux team. And I was, at the time, um, I was overseeing an underwriting department for a very large lender. Um, I had about 400 employees and I was traveling constantly. And it just wasn't working for my life anymore um, because I was always on the road and 65, 70 hour work weeks. And so I wanted something that gave me more flexibility um, because my husband was moving into a new role where he was going to be traveling. And so I was really looking for something that gave me more flexibility, but was going to be challenging and throw something new at me every day and test me every day. Um, And so I just kind of had my ears to the ground and I heard about this team. I was really kind of inspired by them because um, both of our megas are females and, you know, they were joining together to create something really awesome. And they're both young moms and both, you know, just extremely passionate and driven, um, which was something that I could really relate to. So I just really felt like it was a good fit um, work-wise. And so I joined with them in November of last year. I didn't know much about real estate. I, um, I mean, I knew what I knew from working in underwriting. I knew loan guidelines. I looked at purchase contracts, but I didn't know anything about binzers or, you know, timelines for inspections or, you know, anything like that. I've never worked in marketing. Um, you know, I've, I've worked in you know, I've managed folks in sales roles and, you know, I've really been more of a, um, analytical minded person. And so it, it's, it fit well. Um, and it was challenging and, and that was kind of where we started. Excellent. That (laughs) sounds very exciting. So when you were first hired, what did they tell you this job is X, Y, and Z? What did, what, what, attracted you to the job itself that you saw the job duties were? I think it was that they were in a growth, in a transition and in a growth phase, and they said that it was a lot of building. So we need to build out our marketing plan. We need to build out what systems we're going to use because they were two individual teams that were joining, and they both had their own systems. And they both thought their system was the best system. And so they really were looking for someone who had experience with leading large projects um, and experience with, you know, being able to kind of understand the problem and get to the best solution and then be able to execute on that and know all the steps that it takes from A to Z in order to get there. Um, And I do have a lot of experience with that. And so that was really what it, like, I think hooked me was the fact that I could build something that could be really great. And, and that was really 
it was very broad because I'm the director of operations, but we didn't have a transaction coordinator. We don't have marketing. I mean, I, it's a one man show. Um, so it's very, it's a very large umbrella. And then it's like, you know, you have little people here and there that, you know, people that work part time that you can depend on or, you know, small, a small team of resources. But for the most part, my job responsibilities were huge, like just all over the map. And I like that. Awesome. So when you, when the yeah. partners came together, did they have mm-hmm. teams already built out or was it two single agents coming together to form a team? They both had teams of agents already built out, but neither one of them had administrative staff or they had administrative staff in place that just wasn't working out that they were ready to let go. So they were just no admin and, you know, a a team of agents with really no admin support. Right. That's a really unique situation. And for Mm -hmm. you to walk into that is very unique in itself. How Mm -hmm. were you able to take two teams with two separate systems and build out something cohesive that they could both work with? Yeah, you know, still kind of the process of it. I think a lot of these things, they don't happen overnight. So it was, I think I spent the first, I would say 90 or 100 days really kind of learning what the problems are and what the system needs to be able to do. And so it wasn't really until the first quarter, you know, the end of the first quarter of this year that we had a good grasp on, or I had a good grasp on, okay, what, what does the system need to look like? Or what does it need to do? And we moved from Brevity to property base and property base is Salesforce driven and um, you can do anything with it. And I've worked with Salesforce in previous jobs. So I have an idea of everything that it can do, but it takes time to build it out. And when you handle all of the transactions and all of the listings and all of the everything, it becomes like, okay, I'm going to spend five hours this week on this system, you know? So I think it was really just a matter of really understanding the problem. And then, you know, we spent a lot of time looking at what systems were available. Um, And I think my past experience with Salesforce and knowing that I wanted something that could give me a high level overview in terms of reporting, where I don't have to be down in the trenches looking at every single transaction every day, I want to be able to pull reports and say, how many days is it taking us to get to this stage? How many days is it taking us to get to that stage and be able to manage from a higher level? Because, you know, we have very aggressive goals. And as we build that out, and as we have a staff underneath us, you know, I don't want to have to sit down with every person and say, where are you at on your work today? I want to just be able to pull reports and just manage off of those reports and identify problems. Um, and Salesforce really gives us the ability to to build out specific timelines where we think something should happen. You know, we think that a welcome email with next step instructions should go out within 24 hours. And then I can run reports to say how frequently is it going out within 24 hours? When is it not going out within 24 hours? Who's managing those files where it's not going out within 24 hours? And really identify what gaps are there. Um, and so that's, that is how we decided what system to use. That's awesome. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. That was so weird. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, there we go. Okay, so we were talking about um, using Salesforce to build out the systems and the mm-hmm. incredible report uh, reporting power that that has. Mm-hmm. So that you, you are using your time in its highest and best use possible, the most efficient right. way that you can. Um, so that when you build out or as you get more people involved, 
you're not having to micromanage and look over everyone's shoulder and go, did you do X, Y, or Z? It's the mm -hmm. system itself that reports if that stuff has been done. And I really like that. I think that's incredible, especially from an efficiency standpoint, mm -hmm. because as I have found, when you start getting more people involved, things become less efficient. And mm -hmm. the tighter you have control over that and control your systems, the better the salespeople and the admin can go out and do their jobs better, quicker, easier, which results in a better customer service experience. Is that, 100%. Is that what you have found as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, having... Um... A system that's scalable is really the most critical thing because, you know, if you build for what you're doing right now, you're going to be constantly building. And, you know, we really wanted to build for what we're going to be doing, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How many homes did your team sell in 2015 and what was your goal for 2016? So in 2015, we did 197. Okay. Um, our goal for 2016 is 240. And right now we're on track to do about 220. So hopefully we can pick up some slack. Yes. And how many team members do you have currently? We have our two megas. We have three buyer's agents. We have one ISA. We have me. And then I just hired a transaction coordinator 30 days ago. Okay. That we are training. Excellent. How did you find your transaction coordinator? We actually found her, um, we were advertising in a few different places, and we actually found her on Facebook. Was she a friend of a friend or a direct connect? Nope. Just saw, uh, we put like um, ads on Facebook through like, you know, community pages, mm -hmm. and she just saw one of the ads and responded. No experience. Yeah. 22 years old. Yeah. And um, she was a pharmaceutical tech. So that doesn't really translate, you know, extremely direct, but um, she has a skill set that, and I think that's so much more important, you know, just to have the ability to learn and the skill set. So I'm um, working on training her, but a lot to learn there too. So. Yes. Were you the one who conducted the hiring process and interviewed the TC or did another person on your team do that? I did that. Okay. And did you specifically follow the Keller Williams Recruit Select model or? Did I didn't. I haven't been through Recruit Select. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I've been a manager for many, many years and I've hired many, many people, hundreds of people. Um, so I kind of relied more on my own experience. Gotcha. And what were you specifically looking for in your transaction coordinator? Um, I think the biggest thing was um, ability to multitask, highly organized, strong communication skills, um, and just a, a strong desire to learn and, and be part of something bigger than themselves. You know, a, a team player who just really wanted to get out there and, you know, almost like a chip on the shoulder. You know, I just love somebody with something to prove and, you know, just really... Uh, a strong work ethic and desire to exceed expectations. Mm -hmm. Perfect. When you were hired, who did your training? Um, one of our uh, megas trained me. Okay. And how often did that take place? What um, 
systems did you use for that? Like, how were you able to get to a place where you felt comfortable taking it on your own? It was a very um, unstructured, I just started and she just threw stuff at me and I asked a lot of questions and we just worked side by side in the same room with our desks next to each other and I would ask her how to do stuff every time I had to do something and um, she showed me and that was it and it, I'm I'm a pretty fast learner and um, I like to question like why things are the way that they are so that I can make sure that I understand the full process and see if there's a better way to do things. And um, so I think, you know, that worked well for us. Within about 30 days, I told her, I kicked her out of my email and said, like, quit looking at all my stuff, get out of my email, you know. And then within 60 days, it was, is this the highest and best use of your time? You need to go do something else. Like, I've got this. I'll come to you if I have a question. And at about 120 days, we were all in the same office together. It was me and our two megas, and then all the agents had their own office. I moved them into the other office and said, like, this is our admin space. I'm hiring a transaction coordinator now. And um, we did bring in an intern for the summer. Mm -hmm. So we have a summer intern. So now we have our own space and they're over with the agents. And, you know, we kind of have that separation. But, I mean, I would say training is still happening because every deal is different and stuff comes up all the time. And, you know, I'm always calling and texting and what do I do with this kind of a thing. So. It's just constant, constant learning. Perfect. And then at the same time, I was getting my license. So oh, wow. um, that was, you know, an, an interesting experience, too. <laughs> I can imagine all of that going on at once. Did that progress well? Because I like your 30, 60, 120 days. It sounds like you really picked things up quickly and latched on to ideas and was able to move quickly. What I'm finding is that a lot of admins are not getting that really close one-on-one time with their agent at the very Mm. beginning. Do you think that having two megas helped with that because you were able to sit with one while the other was still in production? Or do you think that there may have been a little bit of a slowdown in production because there was an agent, a mega, sitting with you for so long? Well, when I came into the team, they didn't really have an admin team. So our two megas, they're very different than each other. One is very relational and, you know, amazing with referrals and just great with people. And the other one is very transactional and she loves to do the deals and the paperwork. And, um, so the one that's very transactional was doing all of their paper. She was their admin and their mega. And she was like just working like 20 hours a day (laughs) and sleeping at not, I don't even think she does sleep. So it didn't really slow her down because she was already doing it. Um, but it was, it's not ideal, obviously. I mean, she should not have been doing that in the first place. Um, it probably motivated both of us to get to that place that we needed to be at faster because it was, it was definitely impacting our production, you know? So I think it was just kind of a unique situation. Having her 24 seven dedicated to like teaching me was amazing, but I don't know that that is the best use of anyone's time, you know? Sure. Sure. That is definitely a unique situation. I think you're in a great situation where you have like a yin and yang for your megas to to pull in business. Does one particularly work sellers and the other works buyers? Do they both go after listings? What do they do? They both work sellers. Um, The one that's task oriented, she loves like canceled and expired. And I would say 
probably 40% of our business comes from that market. Okay. That is like her strength. She's great at it. And the other is, you know, she is all about creating the exceptional customer experience and getting those referrals and those sphere deals. And, you know, and then that's the other big bulk of our business. They both work listings. They give all of the buyer. I mean, if they have a buyer, they usually give that to our buyer's agents to work. Gotcha. So who is your ISA contacting? She contacts expireds as well, sets appointments. And then, um, what else does she do? So I don't really oversee the ISA. That's something that they do more of. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she also feels like all of the incoming, like the sign calls and things like that and schedules all of the appointments. We have a lot of like pay-per-click um, stuff, you know, internet-driven leads that are coming in. So she's calling back on all of those. And those are like very time-sensitive. Who else is she calling? Just going through like the databases sometimes and calling folks in there as well. Awesome. And does, does she work a certain set hours or does she work from home? How does that work out for you? No, she works in the office. Um, she's there 7 a.m. until probably 5 p.m. every day, okay. Monday through Friday. Excellent. Do and then she, she's, she's licensed and she goes on appointments sometimes too. So if okay. she sets an appointment that no one can go on, then she might take that on the weekend or whatnot as well. Okay. Does she use any type of auto dialer? They use Mojo. I think that's the only auto dialer they use. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. That makes that job a little easier when you can uh, ring up three different numbers and then get one of those to answer. That takes less mm-hmm. time. Yeah. That's awesome. We've, um, I think we've used Vulcan 7, which has an auto dialer in it. I think we've used that one too. That sounds really familiar. Yeah. <laughs> if canceled and expired are your number one lead source, how do you maintain that? As time as our market has gotten better, mm-hmm. we've because that used to be our number one too. But as the, as it's gotten better, houses are selling fast; they're not expiring and they're not canceling. How are you guys able to maintain that? Is your market pretty well still a, a balanced where you're still seeing canceled and expireds? Well, I think it's shifted um, from last year to this year, where it's it's probably more referral referrals and SOI. Um, sources right now, but we still are, I mean, we are still bringing in a lot of canceled and expired listings. You know, that's in my role. I don't really work too much on that piece of it. I do, I report and, and, you know, put together the business planning sessions for our team where we look at like what's coming in and why, but, um, I don't really do the strategy in terms of like how we're going to capture business. So that's really more something that the MIG is focused on. Perfect. Okay. What does a typical day look like for you? When you come in, what do you usually start working on first? Um, so I work 24-7 so that I'm never behind. So like when I wake up in the morning, <laughs> I check all the emails, respond to anything urgent. Basically, I'm keeping tabs on every transaction that we have you know, every pended contract that we have, anything that needs to be done on any of those, what's closing today, touching base with the title companies, lenders, our clients. I write all of our binsers and negotiate all of our binsers. So, you know, what inspection reports, who do I need to review what with? Do I need to get contractors out? So I'm handling all of those pieces. So that's usually like the first part of my day. I try to make sure that all of my transactions are in check for the day. One day a week, I call all of our 
I call on all of our listings. So just call the client, touch base with them, give them marketing updates. Um, I also field all of our offers that are coming in. Sometimes I go on the final walkthroughs if we don't have agents available. Those are kind of like odds and ends. And then for the second half of my day, I try to be a little bit more um, strategic and work on, you know, marketing items. We do an event each quarter that right now I'm spending some time, you know, putting together our client event. You know, I, I try to meet with the megas um, at least two times a week, just kind of pop in their office for like a 30 minute meeting and go over anything that is critical. I just kind of write things down as I come across them, you know, things that are critical. And then I, I get in front of them to go over that. Once a week, I update all of our production information and present it. We On Wednesdays, we have a team meeting with our entire team. So I update, you know, how many listings do we have? What closed last week? What pended last week? And put that in a presentation format for them um, so that, you know, we can celebrate our successes. Who runs your team meetings? I do. Okay. So I build those agendas and, you know, we have some of our partners bring in lunch every week. I have to order, order lunch. So I do everything from ordering lunch to, you know, it's kind of just all kinds of odds and ends every day and just kind of knowing what's, what's going on and staying on top of it. So going back to your quarterly events, Mm -hmm. those are typically client appreciation parties. Yes. How do you choose what event you're going to do and what are your, results from that typically so we did it in the beginning of the year we planned out like our 33 touch for the year everything that we wanted to do and um so we planned out what our client events were going to be way in advance we we did plan that like the client event we're going to do right now we were going to do a sporting event um and we're changing it at the last minute because our last event was a happy hour and it was super successful in terms of turnout and referrals and just like the conversations and the connections. So we decided to do another happy hour. So, you know, we have an idea in advance of when the events are going to be and what they are going to be. And that keeps me on track and keeps me accountable because I know like, Hey, coming up in August, I need to have, you know, an event. So what's my venue? Where's my budget? Who's paying for this and all of that. So kind of that initial planning. And then we don't do a really great job of tracking, you know, like who came, well, I guess we track who came, but, um, the results from that to say, did we get a direct referral because of that event? But we're a small enough team right now that we kind of know that, okay, Emily talked to three people and they all gave her a referral. You know, she walked away with three contacts from that event and that's kind of how we do it right now. But hopefully we'll get to a point where it's more, you know, report driven and we'll know all of that. Gotcha. What do you do before, during, and after the event to get those referrals? or to get people to the event and then follow up with them? Are there phone calls that go out, emails? How do you get them there? Yeah, so we do an email invitation, and then we talk about it constantly on our Facebook page, our Instagram page. And then we do we do a call night every month where, I mean, our agents, they come in and call three times a week in the mornings from 9 to noon, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And one week a month, we cancel the Friday morning, and we do it Thursday night so that we can catch people that are at home at night. And so on our call, our Thursday night before the event, we call everyone 
you know, they call through their databases to make sure that people know about the event and whatnot. Um, So that's pretty much how we're getting them to come. And then at the event, I mean, it's not really like hardcore, like we want your business referral. It's more just like, it's so great to see you. Thank you for coming. We love working with you. I think um, a lot of our approach is just flattering our clients to let them know that like we love working with them and we would love to work with people like them. So your friends, your family, like if they're anything like you, you know, send them our way because you're just awesome. And I think that that approach sometimes helps people to feel like they're really special and that just makes them feel good. And that makes them want to send more people your way. So we just have a lot of like conversations like that. And then we we didn't really do much event follow-up from the last two events that I was at other than agents kind of owning their own people who were there. Like they're responsible for doing their own follow-up. So we didn't do anything like as a team where we mailed out like, thank you for coming mm-hmm. um, to everyone who came. But, you know, if I'm an agent and one of my buyers came, then I should be making a phone call to them and thanking them for coming to the event and telling them it was great to see them. So more of that personal connection than the generic canned like card went out to everyone, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Well, it sounds like the, especially your happy hour has been really good for cementing some of those relationships, which is super important when you're trying to build a business. It's definitely how you relate to people not necessarily how much you can sell them or how many referrals you can beat out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Building up that relationship is really important. And so I love that you guys are doing that quarterly because it seems like there's always something coming up that you can get people to come to, to interact with you more to say, okay, this team, they're not just real estate agents. They're actually fun to hang out with. Mm -hmm. So that's, Awesome. Do you guys get vendor partners to help with that or who pays for everything? Yeah, we don't pay for any of it. Um, Our title company, our lender, our home warranty company, you know, we get everybody to step up and and take on that cost. Awesome. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. What, just to switch gears here, Yeah. um, what's been the most challenging part of this role for you? Um, I think for me it's been just who I am fitting into this never ending chaotic business because I like to wrap a system and a process around everything. And number one, there's not enough time in the day. Number two, nothing fits in a box. And so that's been like my internal struggle. And I was talking with one of my coaches about this last week. Now that I have a a transaction coordinator, I have a little bit more time, not a lot more time because I'm still training her, but I maybe have five hours a week. And I'm like, I want to put together this customer service thing. And I want to put together Salesforce and I want to build more structure around our meetings. And I want better reporting over here. And, you know, I have all of these goals and I don't have time to tackle any of them. And so sometimes it leaves me feeling a little bit like unfulfilled almost, not unfulfilled, but like I didn't execute on my goal. Do you know what I mean? So I, I always feel like there's more to do. There's more to do. There's more to do. And that's not necessarily a challenge. I mean, I think that that's probably why I like this job so much because it is constantly driving me to do more. But yeah, I think that when a certain personality type, maybe someone who's a little bit more of a perfectionist, maybe someone who's a little bit more wants that accomplishment at the end of 
a project, mm-hmm. when you're in a project that's never ending, that can sometimes yes. wear on you a little bit. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. There's always something to do. And sometimes the projects are somewhat short, but typically it takes longer to get things done than we think it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can see how that can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. So on the opposite side of that coin, what has been the most rewarding part of this job? Um, it's just helping people, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what it is, is you're, you're taking this first-time home buyer and you're walking them through this process, you're making it easy and you're handing them their keys and they're elated or, you know, you're helping someone who's in a financial bind to get out of a house that's taxing them and uh or you know I had a situation a couple months ago where someone bought a house and the AC quit working a week later and you have to do that tooth and nail fight with the home warranty company and getting her a brand new air conditioning unit and having her be so forever grateful because she knows that you know we went above and beyond and fought for her every single day for two weeks and I think that's what it is at the end of the day is just helping people that you become close with throughout their transaction, you know, you develop these relationships with people. And then at the end of the day, it's like just such a rewarding feeling to help them to achieve those goals. So, Awesome. Good answer. Why do you think your team has had so much success? I think because we are diverse. We're all very different. We come from different backgrounds. We're not afraid to hire a pharmaceutical tech. We're not afraid to hire someone with no experience that's a lender but has project management. Our two megas are night and day from each other, and I think that that helps us to become a very strong team. Um, We don't all think the same. We challenge each other. We're open to that, and we're very driven, and I think that's really what the secret to our success is. That's awesome. How do you stay cohesive as a team when everyone's doing their own thing and, you know, you're running on appointments here and being there and you have your weekly team meetings. Is there anything outside of that that brings your team together? We laugh a lot (laughs) when we're all in the office. We have group text messages that are very entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we We like each other. We go to dinner together. We, you know, we do team events where we have outings when we reach certain goals. So um, we did escape the room a couple weeks ago because, you know, we had hit a certain number of transactions. And, you know, we just, we like to hang out together and we have a good time. So I think we all just respect each other and we click and it's easy. So you actually have a friendship built on top of being teammates. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. How important would you say that is in being a successful team? In real estate, I think it is so much more important than in other areas because you're always asking people for favors. <laughs> yes. You need, a, I mean, you need a team to rely on and you need, um, I would say like one of our megas has a lot of experience. The one that's transactional, she's really good with like legal stuff and our whole office comes to her for everything. Like I have a situation, what do I do? Or I have a weird contract, what do I do? Or I need a clause, what what does it say? And, you know, I'm going to have to go to her for help for my entire career because I trust her. I know she knows what she's doing. She's brilliant. And I need to have a friendship with her because I, 
I need, I want her on my team. I want her on my side. I want her in my corner. And I think that in real estate, a lot of times that's the way it is. It's like you, you can't know it all. You can't do it all. So you have to have that team support or else you're going to fail miserably, you know? So having a friendship is really the foundation of having people that want to help you. I would agree. Mm -hmm. It just goes back to the whole, no one succeeds alone. Mm-hmm. And you need the team around you to become a better person yourself to help more people. So I think that's Absolutely. brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Karina. I so appreciate this. And I Thank know you. all of the folks listening out there will pick up something good from this. This is a great interview. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Karina. You can find show notes for this episode at theassistantfiles.com forward slash Corina DeBlanc, and that's spelled K-O-R-I-N-N-A-D-E-B-L-A-N-C. For more information about me, Elizabeth Gilbert, head over to my website, theassistantfiles.com. You can even download all the checklists my team uses to close over 100 transactions a year by entering your name and email address into the form in the upper right corner of the homepage. Now go out there and be amazing.